Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Welcome in. Little Labor Day episode of Mackie and Judd. Daily Minnesota sports entertainment, therapy, speculation. And uh, our guy Declan's still up at the cabin here, uh, golfing, drinking, just soaking himself in lake water. And uh, we'll be back at full strength tomorrow as we lead into week one of the NFL regular season. But it is a Statements Monday here, Judd. How we, you're looking pretty good in that purple daily hat, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is fantastic. I love this hat. This hat is comfortable. It is, yeah. It's uh, And people are asking, oh, gosh, where, where, why, why can't I have one of those hats? Well, we did a pop-up store like a month ago. And we will do another one for sure here in the next few weeks, probably sometime in October, where you can get your Before I Die t-shirts, like Judd's holding up, your Purple Daily hats. We got some ideas for some hooded sweatshirts and stuff. So we're kind of, uh, you know, we're a small operation here at Score North, and uh, we've got some ideas for merchandise. I'd love to do more merchandise. It would be a blast, but we need we need people to to help us with some of that stuff. So we've Absolutely. got some we got some ideas in place here behind the scenes and. Mm-hmm. We'll make it happen. But uh, it's a Statements Monday on Mackie and Judd. And I think we should start with a little Twins discussion here. I was was in one place mentally. If we would have done this 24 hours ago before they salvaged a non-sweep against the White Sox, which put them in first place in the American League Central somehow. Disgusting. I don't understand. It's absolutely disgusting. Cleveland can't win a game now. They just got swept by your M's. It's ridiculous. But my first statement for you is all roads lead through the Yankees. Indirectly or directly. Sometimes it's directly in the postseason, but the Twins have been stumbling around. They've been they 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 lost the division lead in this atrocious division and they've been trying to claw their way back. And now after winning one out of three games in Chicago, because Cleveland has just stopped winning. They miraculously find themselves tied for the American League Central lead, which I think is tied for the 14th best record in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And uh, and if they if they want to actually take the lead in the division, they need to go through the Yankees, who are struggling. And Ken Rosenthal has an article in the Athletic today that lays out how the Yankees are struggling. They really need something here. They, you know, they salvaged a game against the Rays, but the Twins are coming to town, and the Twins are the penicillin for the Yankees, and that is true. Over the last twenty years, the Twins are penicillin for the Yankees, and so, uh, however you got to this point, you are here. You are tied for first place. You don't have to apologize for it. You just have to win games going forward, starting with a four-game trip to, to Yankee Stadium, Judd. Yeah, you know what, and I'd like to say with the way that uh, the Yankees have been playing, I'm very confident, you know, this is a great opportunity for the Twins to pounce, four games there, but um, I'm not, and this is sort of a, uh, I guess this is a series between two teams that have just sort of, I don't know what they're doing. I In, in both cases, because the, the Yankees have, have been a mess. Um, they rebounded, they were great, and then they went cold, and then they came back off that and won some games. So I'm like, okay, they're back. And then they went cold again. Uh, they've had problems. But, I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, the Twins won on Sunday. But my brain is scarred by what I saw on Friday and Saturday. Uh, that was not acceptable. Saturday, you got blown out. 
But Friday was especially to me egregious. Um, there's just a lot of things about that game that really bugged me. And, and one was this, and, and I guess, so um, among my statements, I think there's a broader one here to bring up, but my first statement off of, off of Sunday to a certain degree and Friday for sure is this, have a feel for the game, wander on, you'll, you'll wander on, uh, through 11 pitches on Friday. And was and he is lights out. He is phenomenal to watch. There's a lot of things about this Twins team that I don't like to watch. He is one that I love to watch. He threw 11 pitches in an inning of work on Friday. Easily could have come back because he wasn't going to pitch almost certainly on Saturday. And instead, that was it. And then you brought in Thielbar, who, look, it's post- um, his trip to the injured list, it's been very nice. Like, he's been great for the most part. So I get that. But there's no debate there. Like, oh, Theobar's your next guy up, right? I mean, if if Duran pitches the, the you know, this, I think in this case, the seventh, you got to go Theobar. There's no reason not to bring Duran back for the eighth inning. And instead, you put Theobar in. He gives up a game-time home run. Lopez comes in and blows it. Um... I honestly feel, Phil, like there is, like there is, when it comes to pitching decisions, and again, I'm not going to blame Baldelli solely. I think this is more than Rocco, but there's no feel for the game. Why wouldn't oh, you have brought him? There's back? not, there's not, there's not supposed to be. Why wouldn't you have brought him back though for the eighth when you almost were certain you weren't going to pitch him on Saturday? Which is, but which, by the way, I don't have a big problem with. But eleven pitches and that's it, and you're giving way to Caleb Thielbar. Really? So, well, let's okay, because I think we've come to the crossroads here of this this episode of the show, which is they're in first place. They just reclaimed a stake of first place. They're going to play the Yankees. They're in a pennant race. It's kind of fun from that perspective on paper. But the majority of the things that I have written down that I want to talk about from the weekend are what the bleep is this team doing related. Right. So I'm glad that you took the conversation right. this way. So I'll piggyback off your statement about the pitching and say the Twins' pitching strategy remains unsustainable. And you wonder, like, well, how are they not, you know, know, they're sitting here in this weak division on paper, even though they've had a bunch of injuries, which we will get to. They still have, and they made a bunch of trades and whatnot. Like, they've had the horses to be better than four games above 500, in my opinion. And I think oftentimes the way that they use the horses – leads to them not winning as many games as they could. And I'll give you an example. So yesterday, you had a starting pitcher cruising. Dylan Bundy. Apologize, by the way. My guy. My I will guy pause. Now. You can apologize to Dylan Bundy right now. Go ahead. Dylan you Bundy. Saw, you, saw, you saw what I tweeted. I said, I will apologize if he throws a complete game shutout and he was out the next inning. So back to your Dude, point. Dude, Dylan Bundy, the Twins are now 7-4 and four in his last 11 yeah. starts. He's allowed three runs or fewer in 17 of 24 starts on the season. He's allowed two runs or fewer in every start since July 31st. But every start goes five innings because they they, they have it. And they're, and they're not wrong. Like, he's he doesn't have, like, five great pitches or anything. He basically throws two pitches and... And his stuff doesn't play that well a third time through the order. But here's the problem. So yesterday, for instance, starting pitcher cruising, five scoreless innings on 66 pitches. And then they say, preemptively, there's nothing that has happened to this point that leads you to believe that he should be pulled from the game in the hundred years you've watched baseball before then, right? But they have said, listen, we're trying to cut off some of these crooked numbers in the middle innings before they happen by not allowing Bundy a third trip through that order. And we are sticking to that with him and Chris Archer. All right, well... So then they bring Griffin Jackson in the sixth inning, and he cruises. I mean, he just he, and he's been really good this season. Eight pitches to get three outs for Griffin Jacks. So you now enter. I'm, and I'm gonna again. I'm I'm getting. I know what they're looking at analytically. I yeah. get it. Okay, as a guy that built my career off baseball analytics, writing and reporting, I get it. But zoom out for a second. If I were to tell you, all right, you got four games against the Yankees starting Monday against Aaron Judge. In that ballpark, you have two pitchers that are feeling as good as they felt all season, and they're going to combine for 74 pitches. They're going to combine to allow, I think it was no runs, right, through six innings, and you're going to then need three additional pitchers to get through that game. 
and then you do. So you went, you won the game, and you got through the game, and but but you wind up burning Duran, Fulmer, and Thielbar. My question to the Twins is: Is that a game that you needed four relievers and a starting pitcher, five pitchers to get through with no off day on Monday? And so now, not that you can't. I guess you, you could technically use Duran if you wanted to, but he pitched an inning in two thirds. He's probably now off limits. Yeah. Because you had to you had to stretch him because you didn't want to stretch Bundy you didn't want to stretch and I get why you're stretching Duran because he's amazing, but I think my question here is, Agreed. did you have to burn that many pitchers in that game to win it so that now you have a partially depleted bullpen going into the Yankees series? How many times has that happened where they mow through relievers in one game and then relievers are not available the next day and so then they lose a game, right? Right. So. Is there not like the Twins rank third in bullpen usage? They've had the third most innings of of any bullpen in baseball this year. I don't think you can do that unless you have an elite bullpen and expect to win a bunch of games. Like there's a reason why they 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 basically win every other game because they load up their bullpen for this game and it works because they don't let their starter go more than five innings, but then they don't have a bullpen the next game and so they lose. Right? It's it's um it's just kind of. It's puzzling to me why they would continue down this path, continuing to see the same or similar results. Now, their bullpen has been pretty damn good the last month. It has, like yeah, the, I think, the fourth nice best trades. FIP in baseball. So it's yeah. you know it's, it's a better bullpen now than it was. This is more of like a first half of the season problem than it probably is in the last month. But yesterday was a great microcosm of, boy, you just pulled a cruising starting pitcher, and then you pulled a cruising reliever after eight pitches, and now you still need three more pitchers to get through this game in which you already had two guys cruising. I don't know. I do know, and here's here's what I think. I don't think they I don't think they combine com- the common sense of the in-game decision with what they decide beforehand. And I'm with you. I get what they're doing. I can just tell them they're wrong lots of times. They they are, in my opinion, now Duran is unbelievable. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say this right now. He is phenomenal. Um and Lopez can serve his role. Now it didn't go well on Friday, but it starts with with the the uh, Thielbar home run in the eighth on Friday. But in my opinion, they are playing what I consider, and this is a bad mathematical game, to be baseball Russian roulette, which is they continue to pull the trigger. Okay, so the Jacks won, right? Works great. Oh man, this is fantastic. Eight pitches. Now he's out the trigger eventually you know what you're not going to come up with the same luck when you continue to cycle through to your point phil unless you've got all studs which you don't and that's fine most teams don't i like what they've done i i personally like the trades um although he certainly struggled on sunday i like fulmer i think fulmer was a nice addition and he's Mm -hmm. pitched well lots of times but when you continue when you have guys Dylan Bundy, man, this is a really, really good start. And by the way, you were asking for the sixth, and you were going to cycle through uh, the third time through at the very top. So worst case, he gives up two hits, take him out. Best case, he get nobody was suggesting that Dylan Bundy go all the way the third time through, or like so go, this, no one's, or or go eight innings, right? Yeah, right. But 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 the point was, I got a tweet about you know you're crazy. You think he can go the third time through? No, I don't. I'm trying to get him through the sixth, the bottom of the sixth. And then so, and then and then maybe you preserve Thielbar or an or maybe you don't have to go almost two innings with Duran, and then he's available because I think the fact that he went an inning in two thirds means he's probably not available today against the Yankees. I agree. And like and then you compound that over the course of the full year. And that's, I think, part of the reason why they're not 10 games over 500. You know, they're only four games over 500. And But they don't seem to like, and I guess I don't blame them completely, there's lots of times they don't like to bring guys back-to-back, right? So, so like, if Duran had pitched, if, if he had gotten three outs on Sunday, there, there's a chance, there is a chance that he wouldn't have been used against the Yankees on Monday. But let's say you get Bundy through the sixth, all right? Then Jax comes in, and let's say in the seventh, throws eight pitches, fantastic. Have him pitch the eighth. Again, he's not going through, like like nobody's saying, oh my God, he's going through the entire, you know, guys are going to see Griffin Jacks twice if he's pitching well. Like if he had gone in and thrown uh, 20 pitches over over the seventh and, and eighth, because Griffin Jacks is probably not coming back today regardless. And now y- you can bridge it to Duran or potentially 
Lopez, this is where I don't get the strategy. And I, I also don't get just this trust of, well, everyone's going to do their job. Like, is that really fair consistently? It, it's pie in the sky ideal. Yeah, it'd be great if they did. But I just feel like there's a tempting of fate when it comes to what the Twins are doing bullpen-wise. And on Friday, it bit them in the ass. And quite frankly, unfortunately, they probably deserved it. Yeah. By the way, Griffin, I was just looking up to see, like, God, if Griffin Jacks, you know, what is he like once you get to, like, past the 20th pitch? And they're And they're looking at this. The first 25 pitches... For Griffin Jacks, and he he's amazing. Opponents are hitting 196 off of him, 251 on base, 327 slugging. So he he is lights out the first 25 pitches. The second 25 pitches, so pitches 26 through 50, and everything skyrockets. And now part of that is also, you know, there might be games where he doesn't have his best stuff. And sure. therefore, he puts a couple guys on, and then he gets to the 26th, 30th pitch, and he just doesn't have it that day. And then, boom, you know, and now he's tired. But he's much, you know, he, opponents bat 350, pitches 26 through 50, that with a 430 on base. So he's much better within the first 25 pitches. And they're looking at that. They're saying, well, we could probably run him back out there. He only threw eight pitches, but is he, is he going to come back as not the same guy the next inning? And I get that. Listen, I, I I totally understand that. But I just feel like your solution can't be, well, we have starters that go five, and then we need four relievers to get through the rest of the game, and that's our formula for winning. That might be your formula for winning, but are you going to win four, five, six games in a week doing it that way? And the answer this season has been no, <laughs> because oh. it's you have to have such a ridiculous bullpen to make that strategy work. And uh, I just, man, I know that offense has been the bigger problem since the trade deadline, so it's hard to sit here and have this, like, the pitching conversation. The pitching's been better over the last month than the hitting has been. Yeah. But but this this philosophy is just not sustainable. Why can't – here's another question I have. For years and years and years, not even that long ago, number three, number four starters would still go a third time through the order. Maybe they weren't as good a third time through the order, but, like – they would find a way strategically to withhold a pitch the first time through. And then they would unveil a pitch or they would, is it so much harder now than it was five, 10 years ago, 20 years ago to go a third time through the order? Because I'm asking genuinely because guys have tablets, hitters have tablets and they're, and they're just doing more in-game studying. Like why has it become so impossible for pitchers to get, get through a third time through the order? Why are they not doing more to adjust the way that they're attacking lineup so that they can go into the sixth and seventh to preserve the bullpen? Why aren't teams helping starting pitchers with this? So on Jack, so back to to the math on Jacks. Um, like I okay. So here's what I I would think. I would think if you were the Twins and he pitched well enough where he threw fewer than ten pitches, that you would always bring him back to push it to twenty five. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, if that's what the math says, why why wouldn't you say, if he gets to 25, it's going to be a problem. But if we have threw, 17 more pitches to play with here. It, yeah, why, yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you do that? And, and the other thing, too, where they're, like, so hung up, and I know why, and, and this has been a long-time baseball thing, so this is not new, but the whole, um, we hate to bring in a guy from the, the bullpen with guys on. You, you know, we, we want our guys to start clean. Okay. For the most part, I totally get that. I don't even disagree with it. Duran, I don't care. That guy's going to come and blow people away. Yeah. Yes, he'll struggle probably every once in a, a while, but that's a guy right now with the way he's throwing. I would trust him right now across the board. Um, but yeah, the, so the, the Jacks thing makes even less sense to me because if he throws fewer than 10 pitches, that means he's pitching well. That means that he could throw two innings without getting to 25 I would think that that would be the mathematical gamble at, at that point. Yeah, I unless they have data that says when he sits for 15 minutes and then comes yeah. back, which you know there are some pitchers. I get it. They're they're looking at the data, so I I I, I totally understand. Um, I, I will. I at some point here, I will. I'm I'm pulling up a couple of things here because I I'm gen, genuinely curious about some of these things, and so they have. Um, on baseball reference, mm -hmm. 
they do have a lot of different splits. And I want to know, I will find this before the show is over here. I want to know, are the twins that much worse the third time through the order? Like, here, here we go. So these are, uh, what are we looking for here? Third time through the order as a starting pitcher. So the league stats, six. so first time through the order, the league is 686 OPS, second time 722, third time 766. So it's, I mean, it's obviously, it's it's fairly pronounced, but, you know, when you break it out by team, third time through the order, OPS, the Twins are the third worst starting staff the third time through the order. So this is one of the issues I have with, with the Twins is that, this is a problem. The third time through the order is a problem for the league, but it's a much more pronounced problem for the twins than it is for the league. Why? Is it because they are going out and willingly signing pitchers that can't get a third time through the order out? Like 40% of their rotation, Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer, that you literally do not trust a third time through the order under almost any circumstances. And by the way, Sonny Gray is kind of falling into that category too. So you could say that sixty predetermined sixty percent of their rotation minimum, and they are saying we don't trust them a third time through the order. Then either a you need to find or cultivate pitchers that are better a third time through the order because you're the third worst team in baseball at this, or you need to find a way with your analytics or coaching staff or strategy to make it easier for these pitchers to grind their way like partially through a third time so that you can preserve your bullpen. You know. And why is Gray, why, I, I think you went through these uh, stats last week, why is Gray fallen off so much a third time through this year when I believe previous to this year he was actually pretty strong? Yeah, his career through. numbers are not nearly as bad third time through the order. They're not even really that bad at all, career. But this year, and I think in fairness, the last year with the Reds too, he started to drop off. So some of it might just be, I mean, some of it's probably just him. Okay. Um, but again, like this is a this is a problem that needs to be fixed. You can't just say, "Well, I mean, like, it's just a blanket statement." Pitchers struggle third time through the order. Well, there are you know a third of the staffs in baseball don't have this problem that you do because mm-hmm. you're the third worst team in baseball at going a third time through the order. Why is that? It's interesting. I guess my biggest question is this: If you make the playoffs, which by the way, to be very clear, you don't deserve, but if you do, because there's a chance. Um, what are your intentions there in game? That's my question. Oh, I think we know. Well, but the problem is starting pitcher goes five. Yeah, but these guys you love cross to your look, fingers on four relievers. But these guys love to look at 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 what the at what um has transpired previously, and you know to go back to the Yankees series 2019, Houston 2020. They're gonna find that they made mistakes. So are they just go, going to to say yeah? But but our our handling of things is such that we don't acknowledge the mistakes that that are clearly on paper. So like, you know, so if, if Sonny Gray starts game one and is lights out, which, you know, he could be fantastic. Does he come out after the fifth because that's how we do things? And do we then again, mm-hmm. temp, but then, you know, because everything that goes up to Duran, in my opinion, sort of tempts fade a little bit. So like, do do we do that? And if so, why are we discount? Why are we discounting what the past says about those games, but we don't discount it about you know about different things? Is it sample size that you just say, well, the Astros series was two games? That's not a sample size. I'm just curious what the thinking is. Well, I'd love to know. For years and years and years and years and years and years, you're starting. It was it was almost like when you're you know you're lifting weights, and some some people will do the you know your rep goes until you can't lift anymore you you lift until you fail and that's what starting pitching was like in baseball for decades it was your starting pitcher is going to go out there until he runs into trouble and then when he runs into trouble we'll make a determination if it's the fourth inning and he runs into trouble we need him to go at least six so he's gonna have to kind of figure it out even if he gives up four runs like you're gonna be out there for 100 pitches because you know we only have six guys in our bullpen or whatever and um now you don't like teams are trying to cut off any sort of potential conflict before it happens. And I think that's what the twins are going to do in the playoffs because it's what they've been doing in the regular season. I think the twins are going to say, let's say they play the, 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 the Rays or something or the blue Jays in the first round. They're going to say, thank you, Sonny. Appreciate the five innings. 
but the numbers tell us that you're about to have an implosion. And so rather than giving you a chance to get a little deeper into this playoff game, we are going to cut this start off before the implosion, and we're going to see what Griffin Jacks has today or what Michael Fulmer has today. That's what they're going to do in a playoff game. And, I, and, and I'm a little torn on this because I think in the playoffs, it's actually a better strategy than it is in the regular season. In the regular season, you have to account for the fact that you play six or seven days a week, and you're, tr- you're trying to, in some cases, you're trying to line up your bullpen for an upcoming series. You know, in a, in a playoff game, it's kind of all hands on deck, just win today and then figure it out. But in the regular season, it's not, it's not all in today. It's, yes, do everything you can to win today, but also keep in mind we got four games against the Yankees coming up. So it would be nice for the longevity of the season if Dylan Bundy could get us an extra three outs here so that we can save one of these relievers for the Yankees. Sure. But in a playoff series, I actually think it does make sense to, to do what they're doing more often. Now, if you're asking me two years ago, would you rather have one extra inning of Kenta Maeda or Jose Barrios when they're cruising and have great stuff or put Cody Stashak in a game that he's never been in before in his life? I'll take the guy that's cruising who's kind of been there a little bit before. And those are the things I need them to consider. <laughs> well, and so. and in, in the case of that, uh, of that best two or three first round series as well, it's three consecutive days too. Yeah. So I guess my question then is, okay, if you're going to go to your bullpen – if you're if in game one you're up by one run and you're going to go to the top the best of your bullpen, are you prepared to bring them back the next day? Because they're usually not. Mm-hmm. So like if a guy's cruising and you're like, well, well, our history, our our um, our metrics tell us he's going to struggle. So you know we're we're going to go to Fulmer followed by Jacks, Duran, and Lopez. Are you prepared to pitch them all then the next day? Which they're ordinarily not. So let's say the next day comes around, and now you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! We could win the series, but we can't. We can't bring those guys back. That's my. That's what I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, which is, are you willing to tax guys? Because because their beliefs often lead to the opportunity to tax guys, and sometimes they don't do it. But in the playoffs, I think you have to. So who knows? Yeah. It's, uh, man, it's, it's a, an interesting discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of gray area here, <clears throat> yeah. but I just I feel very strongly that in the regular season they have been too rigid about this, and it has cost them a lot of games. Um, you know what? I feel like Livia. You tell us, Livia rigid? Oh heck no! Are you kidding? Okay. So it, you got it, some freedom. You can still enjoy life a little bit. Exactly right. In fact, it is the best weight loss plan, and I've been on a bunch of them throughout the course of my 52 years that I have ever been on it and the most important thing is it's livia weight control centers it's not a diet it's not a diet plan it is a weight control plan uh started a year ago in september have dropped 40 pounds and most importantly now i am keeping that weight off and that is absolutely the most important thing and again it's because of of their dietitians and nutritionists who have helped me get on a plan the weight loss was i felt as easy as could be and the weight maintenance plenty of support. Dawn joined. She's down 16 pounds. Look, this program works. It makes you feel great. And now have they got starting today an offer for you. If you are looking to drop the weight for fall, get back into all those clothes that once fit that are now basically collecting dust in your closet. Eight weeks for free. That's right. Eight weeks for free. It's fantastic. It works. You will feel great. And it's this simple, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Consultations in town here, in person. But if you're not in town, if you are a fan who watches us, I don't know, in California, Tennessee, Arizona, guess what? Virtual consultations as well so no matter where you are watching or consuming our show in podcast form you can join and drop the weight livia l-i-v-e-a.com that's the way to start also thanks to federated for keeping the lights on here at score north on Mackie and judd and purple daily they've been around for over a hundred years helping businesses become as successful as they can be and um, they believe that <clears throat> a face-to-face in-person relationship is uh, is something that can pay dividends for uh, the success of your business, too, and the way that they can help you. So if you want to find out who your marketing rep is at Federate, you can just go to their website. You can search and uh, put in your, your zip code or your city, and uh, you'll find who that person is that will 
help your business and shield against potential risks on the horizon. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, let's carry on here on this Statements Monday, Judd. I have I have more in the Twins bag. I know we were going to get into some football. We can still do some sprinkling some football things here yep. uh, toward the end, but I just uh, I, I haven't exhausted my Twins opinions yet. So I want to start you off here on the second half. Call it the uh, second half of Mackey and Judd here today with this. I disagree with Lavelle Neal III. So he tweeted yesterday, and Lavelle, I consider Lavelle a friend. You know, he covered the Twins beat for almost 20 years. Uh, I covered it for a handful of years, and so we spent a lot of time in press boxes talking talking Twins baseball and philosophies. But he tweeted, great crowd in Chicago today. Too bad that doesn't happen at Target Field for a team that's fighting for a division title. Time to step up and be heard. So Lavelle taking a shot at Twins fans for not showing up. I mean, the Twins are... Not having a great attendance here. I don't think, I think this is going to be one of the two or three worst attendance years in target field history. But here's the thing Twins fans have poured a lot of energy into a franchise that pretty much never pays it off for them. You know, unless, unless you were born in the early 80s or before and you remember the 87 and 1991 World Series, which I barely remember 91 and I am 37 years old. So anyone who is my age or younger that's a Twins fan, mm-hmm. you have been investing your money into tickets. You've been investing your time watching games, your emotions. And what have you really gotten, right? You've, you've just been let down time and time again, year after year. Today marks day 6,545. 6,545 days since the Twins last won a playoff game. And since that time, which was October, I think it was like October 9th of 2004, 18 different teams have been to the World Series. I'm going to repeat that. 18 different teams have been to the World Series, including every other American League Central team, since the last time the Twins won a playoff game. Not a series, a game. A couple people, like, I threw that out on Twitter. People were like, well, that can't be right. You mean series, right? No. Game. 0-18. Yep. 6,545 days. It's been almost 20 years, coming up in October, since the Twins last advanced in the playoffs when they beat the Moneyball Oakland Athletics in 2002. And so over those 20 years, since the last time the Twins advanced, 15 different teams have won the World Series including the Royals and the White Sox in your own division. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that tweet from Lavelle, and I was like, on, on, in some cases, I do, I do think Twins fans could provide a better, maybe more uh, festive atmosphere at Target Field. You know, when, when they've been good in the past, sometimes it feels like, oh, it's kind of family night, and you know, oh, it's, right, all, right. it's all about T.C. Bear and whatnot, and I think we need a little, little more edge when, when the team is good. So I do agree in part that I don't know that I don't know that like the Twins fan atmosphere at Target Field is daunting for opponents. But at this point, it's on the Twins to show something to the fans before I will rip the fans for not committing to this organization. I mean, this is a competitive sports market. There's a lot of places to spend your sports dollar. And this team has not paid it off in decades for you. And so I'm not going to get on fans for that. I'm sorry. I find it to be an affront that anyone would suggest that the that the fans uh, be more excited about, in particular, the 2022 Twins. This division is awful. And for all of you who are like, oh, who cares? In- enjoy it. Enjoy it. I want competitive sports. I want competitive baseball. Like, everyone's trying to back in. It's a joke. If this is, as I, I got a couple of these comparisons on Twitter, and they're exactly right, this is the NFC East from like the past two years. It's just hard to watch. And so am I going to dump on fans for like not, how can you not get behind this team? Because it's, it, it feels like a death march to the playoffs. Not fun. This isn't fun. Those three games in, in Chicago, if you're a twins fan for the most part, weren't fun. Um, this is a hard team from the very top. I think to embrace and love. 
I really do. Um, it's not really explained why they do things. It certainly does not make sense consistently. Now, there are there are some things in their thinking that makes sense if they were also combined with a bit more rational thought, but they're not. Um, Carlos Correa, again, I think it was on Friday or so, got up in a pressure situation. I think he popped up again. Like, there's a lot about this team. I am not going to put it on, on the fans. There have been years where probably... Um, a Twins team or a team in this town has not been embraced properly, and that's too bad. This ain't one of them. I don't fault the fans one bit. And, like, what are they supposed to do? Show up at Target f- Field and root for trying to back into the playoffs? You know, I mean, that's a tough thing to ask. And plus, it's expensive, too. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I don't, in this case, I don't blame fans one bit. And I do think, and I'm on board with, this team is incredibly frustrating and i think that this is a year where it is far more fair to dump on the team than the supporters of said team yeah i think i I just it's it to me it's so arrogant to sit there if you're the organization or if you cover the organization which you know i guess i'm putting lavelle in this category and again i love i love you lavelle i just totally disagree with this premise to say after 20 years of not advancing in the playoffs after 20 years of whiffing on winning a playoff game, disappointment after disappointment, to sit there and say, hey, fans, come on now. Come on. Where where are you guys? We 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 need you to to rally here. I mean, yes, it would be great if there if if however many home games they have left, if it was a raucous crowd of forty thousand every night. I just don't think this franchise has earned that. At, at a certain point, you gotta give back. You got to win something. Go to the World Series once in 30 years. You know, like we sit here, we I mean, how many more times can we trot out the reunions for the 87 and 91 World Series teams? You know, are we going to do a reunion for the team game one of 2004 that in a couple of years we're going to do a 20 year reunion of the last time the Twins won a playoff game? Oh, let's bring them all back, Cuddy. Uh, Luis Castillo, bring the. Bring the whole band back together. Get Luis Rivas in here. This is the last time the Twins won a playoff game. Yeah. You know, so it's like the, the franchise needs to show something. You guys, go, go on a run and then go go win two out of three in the wild card round and you will have people excited again. Yeah. But you have scarred people for a long time. And I don't blame fans for keeping this team at an arm's length after all of the disappointments. I don't. And I also think that there is a growing tendency in this town among smart young fans who by the way have grown up far more jaded than i did or you probably i do think that there is a it's and it comes from the teams as well the twins as well but there is a lot of people around the team that in my opinion try and put it on the fans like you don't understand this i'm tired of the fans saying this i'm tired of no no you know what the fans are very frequently right um, and, and there's nothing that drives me crazier than than when people defend the team because it's the team. That drives me up the wall. And this whole premise of, well, they're the team. They must be right. I mean, they, they look at things you don't. No. Okay. Sometimes well, they do, that's true. They, they do. Yeah, of course. They, they, they do, but that doesn't mean that they process it correctly. It's also an organization that has shown for 20 years that it shrinks in the biggest moments. Yeah. It's I'm just a you. fact. It is a it is a shrinking organization in the in the biggest spots. Uh, uh, you know, well, but the Yankees, you know, well, what are you supposed to do? The Yankees. It's not a it's not a sport where the best team just automatically wins without any sort of conversation. Like I just told you, in the last twenty years, fifteen different teams have won the World Series. The Royals have been to the World Series twice in the last ten years. Yep. So I don't want to. Yes, do the teams that spend the most money, like the Dodgers and the Yankees, have advantages? Absolutely. But I was arguing with someone on Twitter about this. Like Again, in the last 20 years, 15 different teams have won the World Series. Would that number be better if there was a salary cap? Probably not. No, Honestly, prob- no. probably probably and not. Keep that's, in like, mind, that's a ton of parity, actually. And keep in mind, too, and, and I think that this is now more true, in my opinion, than ever the Dodgers, who of course have a you know out of control payroll, won the 2020 
World Series, which was the 60-game season, which is, that's great. But I mean, we're talking about the the teams that legitimately won a World Series in a 162-game season, which is an absolute marathon. Yeah, Braves, Nationals, Royals, you know. I think the salary, I think if there was a salary cap, it might change who won the division sometimes or got into the playoffs. But I think once the playoffs start, it's like crapshoot city, baby. Yeah. Exactly. And for the Twins to lose 18 consecutive, like that is an act of God. Yep. Uh, I, I'm just venting to you here. I, I do have another Twins one, unless you want to jump in with a Twins one here, and then I can wait a second. I got one more Twins one. Go ahead. You fire I, away. All right. My statement is this. We need answers. The poll ads need answers. Somebody has to tell us. All right. Sam Dyson shows up here hurt. Shame on the Giants. Shame on you. You screwed us. I would have been very upset. Okay. Shame on you. Chris Paddock, with a known medical that killed a trade with the Mets, shows up here with his arm hanging by a thread. You made the trade. By the way, it wasn't our job. Like, you didn't show us You the You like the trade, Judd, on the day they made the trade. Yeah. I didn't see the medical. Guess what? If I had, I would have said, oh, I wouldn't do that now. But, you know, but team control. He's got team control left. Okay. But that trade then, if you assume that the team control was the key, what you are telling me is a trade was made based on the fact that you didn't think that you would be all that competitive in 2022 because Chris Paddock's arm essentially falling off on the mound was not surprising. Okay, that's yeah. twice now. Now, now we got a problem. How, how did that happen? That's why I don't don't like that very much. And now, another trade I liked at the time, but I hadn't seen the medical report. Tyler Malley is back on the IR with shoulder fatigue, and I can tell you right now, he ain't gonna pitch for He's a cooked. while. He's he done. might be done. Yeah, exactly right. Three times, three. Somebody's got it. But Malley's under team control too. <laughs> But honest to God, at some point in time, um, I need answers here. Like, I don't think I'm going too far. And and if I own the team, I got to know what's going on here. Like, Phil, Phil, how does this happen three times? I don't know, man. It is, it is so ridiculous. And I get, I get that they're, they're taking some calculated risks here. You know, the, the paddock one was the most egregious because the paddock one was wasn't it a partially torn UCL yes. at the end of last year? Yes. And the how Mets many times saw has a, the report and killed the trade? Yeah. So you're right. how many times has a partially torn UCL turned out to not need surgery at some point? I I almost would have commended them for having him make the trade in like November, have him immediately undergo Tommy John surgery so that he's ready for opening day of 2023. But now he's probably not going to be ready until maybe the second half of 2023. And the way that they handled Maeda, it's possible he might not be ready until the very end of the year. Or, But he's under team control for 2024. So if the Twins have something going there, then they'll be okay. Um, this actually segues into my... into my, And that this is my last twin statement for now. That people need to stop blaming bad luck for why the Twins are mediocre this season. And I'm, I'm talking about injuries in particular. That, well, look at all the injuries. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Look at their lineup. It's ravaged, this and that. And while it is true the Twins have racked up the third most injured list days of any team in baseball, if you start to look at the actual list, so I've got a list of these are like the top 10 guys who have taken up two-thirds of the injury days, okay? All right. Randy Dobnak is number one, tied with Kent Maeda because they've both been on the injured list all season. And Maeda's missed, yeah. Dobnak, I'm sorry. <laughs> that dude was ineffective before injury. All right. He I mean he was smoking mirrors before injury. So you mm-hmm. don't give me well, if they only had Dobnak, they'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Maeda, that's a tough one. He was he one was. of the best pitchers in baseball in 2020. Yep. Jorge Alcala, very good relief pitcher. Not a guy that you would say, oh, the season is derailed because you don't have Jorge Alcala. No, you 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 find other guys. Other guys step up. Duran steps up. Griffin Jack steps up. Uh, Jean Romero, biceps injury. No, Miguel Sano is fifth on this list for most injury days. He was terrible before injuries. Yeah. Some of his yeah. injuries have been because he doesn't take his conditioning seriously as a professional athlete. Yep. Cody Stashak, you know, it's like your fifth reliever. 
Chris Paddock, 100% self-inflicted being That's on this cool. injured list. 100% self-inflicted. Agreed. And then Daniel Columbay, okay, just, just kind of a guy in your bullpen. Yeah. Bailey Ober, just kind of a guy. Um, You know, Jorge Polanco being out now, problematic. Royce Lewis definitely dings you, but I don't know that you were, like, going into the season leaning on Royce Lewis. I think people thought maybe if he can come back and contribute in the second half of the season, the fact that he came up and hit 300 for a week and then and then uh, suffered the injury. But, you know, mo- the fact is the guys who make up most of these injury days are guys that are not really relevant to what you're doing. Randy Dobnak, Jean oh, Romero, boy. Miguel Sano, Cody Stashak, Chris yeah. Paddock is 100% self-inflicted. You've had some things, but guess what? Carlos Correa has been in there. Byron Buxton was in there more than he's been in for all but one season in his career. Yeah. Uh, Luis Arise has been in there all the time, and he's having a career season. Uh, Gio Urshela, Gary Sanchez, these are guys he traded for to be starters. They've been there almost every day. Max Kepler has been there almost every day. So it's it's not like people make such a big deal. And then Jose Miranda came up. He's been one of your best players, and he's been in there almost every day since, what, late April or early May, somewhere in there. So it's people are, people are just using – yes, they've had injury issues, but some of them have been very much self-inflicted. And largely, it's been the underperformance of players that has led to them sitting here grinding a few games above 500. Yeah, and Sano does not count. Like, you're, you're exactly right. Like, he was terrible. He was unplayably bad. I, so you, you just hit on something that, uh, it, that takes me in, in a direction of a place I don't like to go, but I think it needs to, to be explored. And that is, the medical staff, I think, has completely been changed like twice now. Um, there, there were definitely questions. Heck, there were questions that you covered back in your day with a different staff. Um, but I got a few players here that I got questions about. Okay. First of all, to start with three pitchers who I would hope before trades were made that you looked at their medical report, especially with Paddock and now Mally and said, okay, you know what? This is fine. Or this is not fine. But let's continue down this list, okay? Alex Kirilov. Alex Kirilov needed surgery for a thing, for an exact problem he had surgery on last year, mm. and it wasn't rectified. If I'm the poll ads, I want to know why. I want to know why that wasn't fixed at the time. Now, if that's a one-off, one-mistake thing, I might be like, okay, that's too bad. But it's not. It's a list of things. Um, Josh Winder has missed substantial time this season, I think, because of an impingement of some sort. They brought him back, and he had the same problem. Now, for a team that is very conservative, very often overly cautious, my question is, why does that continue to be a problem? Miguel Sano was brought back, and unless you just stashed him and said, well, they just can't play, which is a possibility, the same problem crept up there. My point being, and I think Kirilov is a poster child for for this, is why are why are the Twins having reoccurring problems with players when we think things have been fixed? And now with Buxton, the hip is a direct result of trying to play on the knee. And I don't know if there's blame to go there. But my point is for a team that often approaches things in a very, oh, this guy can't play, um, there's a lot of reoccurring problems when guys come back. Yeah, it's so hard to to know. I mean, sometimes things just happen. I know when I covered the 2009 through 2013 Twins, that there were there were players that like at one point players vocally went to the front office and said, "We look how far behind we are when it comes to some of these things. Even like not having a full time massage therapist on the road, like little things like that, just to." Mm-hmm. Prevented. I had a I had a long conversation one time with a player that, again, this is ten years ago, but it all kind of falls under pull ad ownership, right? And um, I had a player that was with the Twins for several seasons, and then went and played for two other organizations when I had caught up with him again. And he said, "Dude, you have no idea how much further advanced these other two organizations, especially the one that I'm at right now, is compared to the Twins when it comes to injury prevention." Now I think Falvey and Levine came in and they cleaned some of that stuff up and they and they they beefed up the staff. So I don't know what I don't know if it's like they're doing something wrong 
or if they're if they're behind or if they're just if some of this is just bad luck with recurring injuries and the wrist for Kirloff you mentioned like I don't know you know Buxton's been injured through multiple tenures of you know right. front offices and managers so it's so hard to pinpoint and say boy the the medical staff isn't doing their job because of this this and this my answer is I don't really know but I think in a vacuum, we say, well, the Twins have been besieged by injuries. But like I said, you look at this list, it's a lot of self-inflicted. The 119 days of Chris Paddock, and then the now, uh, I believe it's three cumulative weeks plus whatever is going to be left of Tyler Malley is a 100% risk that you took on. Anyone with Google would have seen partially torn UCL for Paddock. Maybe I should have Googled that before I went on Twitter well, we the day of the it. trade. You know. Um, and then Tyler Malley, I mean, was Tyler Malley was literally on the injured list two weeks before the Twins traded for him with an inflamed shoulder. Right. They ran him back. The Reds wisely ran him back out there for two starts. He pitched like five or six innings. <laughs> looked, looked fine enough. And then they uh, they shipped him out. The Reds were probably like, whoo, whoo, whoo. 11th hour, baby. Thank God twins, we got rid I'm of that. Just, I I don't like to question, for, for the most part, the the medical staff because it's very tough and you're right we don't know i'm just saying that when it's when the list is what this list is i think it deserves at the very least an audit of some sort yep i think you're to your what i agree with here for sure is your main point is questions need to be asked about certain things that this organization is doing and sometimes it feels like how dare you how dare you like i said last week how dare you question the little engine that could (laughs) Damn it, yep. we are out here grinding for a division title right now. How dare you? It's like you're not the little engine that could anymore, though. You moved into a nice ballpark a decade ago, and you're a, you're, you're a middle market team that spends $140 million on the payroll. You're kind of like in the middle now. And and you bring in a guy like Carlos Correa, and you make these trades, and there's an expectation for me that you should be performing at a at a better level now. I don't I – don't, man, two, if they go missed playoffs two straight years – with some of the young players they had on this nucleus with the Bomba squad in 2019, man, like the the Miguel Sano thing is great to me. Like the way that the way that the apologists kind of tee it up. Like, well, I mean, you know, he's always. What do you expect? You know, he's always just kind of been a big strikeout guy. It's like you know what I expect. One of the best prospects in baseball from 10 years ago to be something other than what he is at age 29. And yeah, I want yeah. I want to know what happened. I want to know why Max Kepler's not better. I want to know why there's not more in uh, homegrown pitching available here. Why you yep. have to lean on Chris well, Archer and Dylan Bundy to get you through four and two thirds. Yes, I, I I have questions about all these things. Yes, you know? and they're all they're all incredibly fair. And look, I have questions to to this day. Why did a pitching coach of a first place team up and leave for a college job in June? Well, I mean, he was yeah, but he he wanted to go home and blah blah blah. Okay. Guys in, with first place teams, how often do you have a prominent coach bolt in June? Yeah, or it doesn't. In the season, it doesn't it happen. Doesn't, yeah. Now that does not mean that we wouldn't have gotten to fall, and Wes would have been like, "Okay, I'm I'm done." Well, he had to recruit. Um, the pandemic brought on so, something called Zoom, where I could actually get on a Zoom with a young with a young progressive thinking person and recruit him. During my downtime, like that's the thing that drives me nuts about sports in this town. And I fault people in our business far more than fans because it's like, to, to your point, you know, how dare you question that? Well, I mean, obviously they told us this. Okay, they told you that. They lie. Like Royce said last week, yeah. these people lie continually. So, yeah, I, um, I think the Twins deserve exactly what they get from fans, which and I think that is a very fair thing, which is show us more. And here's the beauty. You can. It's all right in front of you. Yeah. Go take three of four from the Yankees. Go take six of eight from Cleveland and go win the division. Go win a playoff game. Go win a playoff series. I want all of these things to happen over the next month, month and a half. Yeah. It would be a blast to finally see this team break through. Absolutely. But it's up to them to show it to fans, not the other way around at this point. They owe more to fans than fans owe to them. Yep. So... Um, speaking of, uh, owing something to fans, I think all fans should feel comfortable in their underwear and that's where chill boys comes in the most comfortable underwear that we have ever worn and the official underwear and boxer briefs of Mackie and Judd. How are uh, chill boys making you feel these days, Judd? Oh, absolutely outstanding. In fact, and I, I am delighted 
that they are back because chill boys to me is the is the ultimate in comfort you have not experienced the comfort of great boxers and long johns until you pull on a pair of chill boys and say that's how it's supposed to feel phil Mackey. that is how it's supposed to feel that is the experience of chill boys yeah, at Chill Boys, uh, they're passionate about one thing, your comfort. It's a Minnesota-based company. You can find them online at chillboys.com. Get rid of the the discomfort, sweaty, itchy, binding boxers and underwear that you wear now and change your life through chillboys.com. Also, uh, I see that uh, our guys at Spiralite Candles are wrapping up their state fair run here today. I saw that on Twitter today. Just yes, uh, gr- grinding that state fair life. If you want, If you're bad at gift ideas, listen up here, guys. Spiral light. So, so they, they've been at the, the fair. They have sold, I guess, a, t- a ton of uh, Judd's Purple Positivity candles, which are fantastic. But you know what? If you said, well, Judd, I didn't get to the fair. How am I supposed to get my candle? I'm going to tell you right now, it's as easy as this, spirallightcandles.com, because there is a load of great choices there. These The uh, candles, they smell great. They're fantastic. A uh, great gift for your wife, your, your girlfriend, your mom. Heck, you know what? If it, I, I found out because of Spiralite, I like candles too. So perhaps your husband, boyfriend, and... Again, here is Judd's Purple Positivity Candle. So when you're watching the purple on Sunday, and you you know it's a stressful experience, right? And you say, you know, I need some aromatherapy. I need to calm myself down. That's right. The Purple Positivity uh, Candle is here for you. It burns, of course, spirally down. And then it's got a wick down there that burns for a long time. These things are fantastic. Spiralightcandles.com is the start of a Sunday that could be at least a little bit more stress-free when the purple is playing. Uh, all right, any other, uh, we, were, we were initially going to block out some time for some Viking stuff, but our twins conversation went so long. Do you have any other statements to get off your chest here before we wrap up? I have the a day? college football one. Let's do it. All right. Statement is simple. It's time. So um, I did some, some for the cause, for the show, I did some scouting of the Big Ten West, and it was painful on Saturday. Dude, Iowa. Ugh. Seven to three, Iowa beat South Dakota State. Seven to three. Oh, big touchdown, right? Uh-uh-uh. Field goal and two safeties. The Dude. offense is terrible. The quarterback, Petrus, is awful. And then I scouted a little bit more Nebraska Cornhusker football. They won. It was ugly. Who they I'm play? Tell, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, who did who did they play? I forget. It I did see matter. their game against it their offense awful. looked okay against uh, in uh, in Ireland against Northwestern. Yes, but, yes, but 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 that kid. So their, their QB struggled in the second half of that game, and they are not good. So here's the point: it's time. The Gophers, the Big Ten West is sitting there, and Wisconsin, offensively, I don't think it's going to be great. Defensively, they are good, uh, so they're going to be a nice team, but they're certainly not a great team. Uh, this is the year to win the Big Ten West, though. Dude, this is a hundred percent. The I mean, there should be pressure on the golfers to win the Big Ten West. It is to your point about the Twins, there for the taking. The Big Ten West is there for the taking. Okay, I'm just going through this. Iowa. I did see one of the safeties pop up uh, watching a highlight. Awful. So Iowa and South Dakota State were tied three to three at halftime. And then Iowa tallied a safety in the third and a safety in the fourth to win that game seven to three. Iowa again against South Dakota State. Iowa ran for one point six yards per carry, thirty six rushing attempts for fifty seven yards. South Dakota State, by the way, thirty one rushes for thirty three yards. So these two teams combined for like a yard and a half per carry in this game. Iowa's passing game. Spencer Petrus, is that the quarterback's name? Petrus Petrus. 11 for 25 for 109 yards. He averaged four yards per attempt, no touchdowns and a pick. A QBR of 1.1 out of 100. (laughs) Beat these clowns this year, for God's sakes. Absolutely awful. Wisconsin's Wisconsin's fine again. You know, they're always going to be formidable. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska got by North Dakota. Dude. So, but I'm telling you, this is the year. This is the year. Win the Big Ten West. Yep. Go get Don't it, Don't go guys. to Wisconsin and choke. Yep. Go get it, guys. Thank you. All right. That's, uh, that's a wrap on this.
Mackie and Judd's Statements Monday episode here. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Labor Day. And uh, don't forget, Vikings Vent Line right after Vikings Packers this upcoming Sunday, exclusively on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. If you haven't already clicked subscribe on the Purple Daily and Score North YouTube channels, uh, go ahead and do that so we can help spread the word about this community of frustrated yet awesome Minnesota sports fans that uh, that we get to hang out with on a daily basis. Mackie, Jeb, we'll see you guys tomorrow.